this right, completely right, it's kind of scary. I get pissed every time I walk by CNN because I walked by there like two weeks ago and all they were doing is bombarding the sidewalk with information about this guy who's a cop and he's getting gas and, and they're trying to say, well, does this Black Lives Matter movement, is that why he got shot? Okay, no, he got shot because he's a cop and some guy didn't like cops because cops are dicks. I'm your host, Sean Donovan. Woo! We're back after a long hiatus. This podcast uh, is released on uh, periods of cycles where I'm either entering or coming out of a deep depression. So it's one of those. The listener will have to decide which one it is. Oh, so what happened? I think the last podcast I released was probably back in May... Uh, I think since that time, the world has objectively gotten a lot worse uh, in various ways. Uh, let's see, the Trans-Pacific Partnership was fast-tracked. That happened. Nobody cared. Um, situation in Syria has gotten worse. The huge refugee crisis uh, now hitting uh, Europe. And I guess as well as the United States. You know what's great about uh, that's a the refugee crisis is a double win for the capitalists because they get to first of all they NATO and uh, the United States the imperialist powers uh, go in and uh, overthrow countries like uh, Libya or you know co-opt a revolutionary movement that might have been uh, stemming you know from a real people's movement on the ground. They co-opt it or some cases just overtly overthrow it through uh, whatever. So anyway, we caused this huge problem in all these countries in the Middle East, and uh, now there's a huge refugee crisis. So now these people who are fleeing the violence that uh, the Western nations have uh, caused, they, they go to, <laughs> they seek refuge in those Western countries, you know, Germany and France and whatnot, and then the ruling class gets to scapegoat those refugees because now their base gets to be real xenophobic and racist and be like, oh, we don't want these people in our country. And it's a double win for the capitalists. Not only did they get to play out their war fantasies and whatever quest to expand their uh, domination and grab resources over in the region, but then they get to scapegoat the refugees and, be, and whip up the uh, you know fascist party base that's just a brilliant, brilliant, depressing scheme. Ugh, the world is terrible. So what do we do about it? That's what this podcast is about. Getting people informed. Getting people vaguely informed of issues. Uh, so today's episode, or the next couple episodes uh, that I'm putting out, is the uh, four-year anniversary of the Occupy Wall Street movement. So I interview, uh, I have Brent Schmidt, who is a uh, very funny comedian, and he was actually active in the uh, Occupy Wall Street uh, movement, and I talked to him, interview him, get his perspective on the movement and what it meant to him and other things, so that's going to cover the next couple episodes, but I would say uh, since the start of this uh, podcast, my my even politics, which probably started out very far to the left, uh, if anyone's listening, you know, has been listening consistently, it's even only gotten further to the left. Like, at this point, you know, when I started this, I thought maybe there was some way of reforming capital, maybe. Now it's just like, I don't think anything uh, can be done. And reform is just a dead movement, uh, so it has to be overthrown. And the question is, how do we overthrow it? And uh, so the next few episodes are going to focus on these popular movements. These, uh, I guess we'll get some... You know, talk to Brent about what he thought uh, of the movement as a whole, and then I'll do some pontificating on uh, sort of the follies of uh, these these mass movements when they're not connected to like a political party. If you, I don't know if remember uh, Facundo Rompe, the guy I interviewed in the first couple episodes, who was part of the uh, Red Guards, Los Angeles, uh, was part of the New Communist Party. Um, 
you know, he was talking before about the activism um, and how he believes that uh, it needs to be connected to a political party, a political line, in order for it to be effective overall as a strategy. And I think that's one of the things Occupy uh, missed. I think it did a good in the sense that it introduced sort of this idea of the 1% and the 99% uh, to the general public who maybe didn't have that knowledge beforehand. But ultimately, it ended up not really succeeding much because it wasn't tied to a, a bigger political line, uh, and the state was able to repress it. So that's where my politics are at now. Uh, oh, and I, th- I suspect I'll be releasing more of these podcasts because in this meantime, on a personal note, I have uh, quit stand-up comedy, which was a long time coming. Uh, so now I have nothing to do with my time other than make these podcasts and decide whether or not to join a revolutionary movement. So, fun things going on here. Um, so, oh, I, I also have... This is a perfect uh, rambly intro. <laughs> I, I gotta figure out a way of talking better. I don't talk good into microphone by myself at my empty apartment. Anyway, so I, in the lead-up to the few months before the time I had to uh, uh, for releasing this episode... Uh, I went, I saw Chris Hedges speak, uh, this was probably back in July, it is now September, um, he spoke in LA, and I tried to get some interviews down there, but people, this is my problem, I like Chris Hedges, I like what what he says, I like his rhetoric, and he's actually moving, um, I think more to a, uh, getting more militant about, uh, resisting capitalism, although I think he is kind of hesitant about communism in a sense, or becoming part of a party or organizing a party, and he kind of speaks in these vague terms of we have to overthrow capitalism, but, like, a uh, couple things. One, I went to the speech. It was very good. He's a, he's a great orator. Um, but, see, I, I look at the makeup of the people there, and, you know, I was maybe one of the, um, the youngest people there. There were a lot of, like, baby boomer generation. Uh, just from scanning the room, I'm assuming a lot of the people represented uh, probably the petite bourgeoisie class, not so much the working class. Again, this was just by my estimate, my own uh, judgment here. And also, like, I was trying to interview people uh, waiting in line to get in, and there were a lot of people. It was, like, sold out. Um, They weren't very uh, open (laughs) to being interviewed. I know uh, most people aren't anyway. I get blown off a lot because who wants to talk to a lunatic with a microphone walking on the street? Um, but yeah, I only got like one guy to actually give his opinions. So we're, I'm going to play that audio before, uh, getting into the other audio I, uh, recorded. But anyway, yeah, so Hedges speaks in these terms, uh, but like the people he's actually speaking to, in my mind, they're the baby boomer generation. And they also seem like petite bourgeoisie. They're really not the people who are going to even be able or capable or willing to confront capitalism directly. I mean, he's saying these things and people agree with them, and I'm sure they want to do stuff, but they're also in the class uh, that isn't going to really benefit from stopping capitalism. And I'm in that class too. I'm also like, you know, my life is pretty easy. I'm not not going to say it's uh, I'm, I'm working class. I'm, I'm not. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a kind of a problem... Well, not really a problem, but a uh, uh, oversight of his. I mean, if you, really what needs to be done is the working class. Uh, and we're, I'm going to have an episode where I talk more about uh, what working class means in the Marxist sense. I have a, in a few more episodes, I talked to another re- revolutionary part of a different organization. Um, but yeah, we, we need to organize the working class, the class that can directly throw the monkey wrench into the system of capitalist production. So I'm going to cut over to the interview with the guy from the Hedges uh, speech, then I'll come back here and I'll set up the rest and ramble some more. Okay. I had a friend who started getting into reading a lot of, like, Noam Chomsky. Yeah. And I think I'm the only person he knows that he can talk to you about stuff like this, and then he wanted me to come out and see this. Okay. And I had read one of Chris Hedges' books, like, a long time ago. Yeah, which one? Do you remember? Um, War is a Force that Gives Us Meaning. Yeah. Which is, like, incredible. But yeah. I just, I read it in, like, college, like, completely off the map, and he was talking about it, and I was like, I feel like I know that name. And then he told me he was speaking here, so that's why I came down. All right. 
That's pretty cool. So you're not uh, you're not completely sold on what he has to say, or uh, um, I don't know. Politically, I or? watched 15 minutes of a video and listened to him with a podcast. I hmm. pretty much agree with him. Yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of seems kind of pessimistic to be perfectly honest. It's kind <laughs> of if he's right, completely right. It's kind of scary, but um, I don't. We said to I like someone who hasn't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the way to articulate this. Like, I was listening to him talk about that he went to, like, divinity school. Yeah. And I'm extremely, like, not religious. Yeah. But then to listen to someone who, like, has studied religion and works within that world actually make sense to me is kind of nice. Yeah. It's all, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially That's, in America where a lot of Christians is the Christian right. It's, like, fuck nuts crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's good to hear a reasonable person. <laughs> yeah. And, it, like, it doesn't exist. And it hasn't, right. like, in my lifetime. Right, because we get bombarded with just, like, Christian right stuff on the yeah. media. We don't really hear the other dissenting voices of Christian. Well, and one of the things that he, he brought up that I just haven't heard someone, like, say out loud since I was in college, like, studying stuff like this is, like, the tie-in between being, like, super Christian and being super American. Yeah. And, like, blending those two things together. Yeah. And to have someone that, like, slaps that idea in the face is hmm. a good thing. <laughs> like, I think so. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> All right, back to me. Uh, I hadn't listened to that audio in a while, so it was uh, kind of good listening to it. Forgot about the part about the Christian right. I think he was, uh, that's a good point. I think that's one of the most brilliant uh, schemes probably of all time is the uh, undermining of the working class by capitalists co-opting religion and making it seem like... Uh, they're in the interests of religion, so they've co-opted these social issues, blown them way out of proportion, like abortion, and uh, out of proportion, abortion, rhyming. All right, anyway, but you know what I'm saying. Gay marriage, all this stuff, and uh, the right co-opted these uh, these movements, or uh, co-opted Christianity and molded it into their, their image, sort of, and they were able to sort of fracture the working class, or at least that's one of the ways that they've done it. And they've done it to a pretty... Uh, Pretty good degree, pretty good extent. Uh, so yeah, it's good hearing that, and that's that's one of the things I do admire about Hedges. I do like to see him when he debates Sam Harris, who I think is a rather loathsome human being. Um, so I do like Hedges in that respect. Oh, and point of clarification: I was listening to my rambly monologue at the beginning uh, when I was saying activism being tied to a uh, political party. I wasn't meaning uh, the Democratic Party or Republican Party. I'm talking about like a revolutionary party. Uh, a complete alternate party that uh, represents a new formation of social organization. So just for clarification, in case anybody wanted to know, I was speaking directly about committing treason (laughs) for my uh, handlers at the FBI. All right, anyway, so that was that. Uh, Now I'm going to uh, kick over to the audio. So uh, in preparation for uh, Brent and our discussion about Occupy, uh, I went on the streets, and uh, you heard some snippets at the beginning there. Uh, I talked to some strangers and got their opinions about uh, what they thought about the Occupy movement, if they remembered it. And I got various uh, responses. I got I talked to one guy for like 20 minutes. I go play that audio. He was uh, pretty great. Uh, so uh, here it comes. Oh, man, <laughs> my dad just yelled at me about not knowing enough about what's going on. Oh, well, you don't have to really know too much. Okay. I just want to get your opinion on, um, okay. it's like uh, four years since the Occupy movement. Oh, my God. Was, so this episode is sort that. of about Occupy. It's just, I want to get people's I thoughts. I lived in Chicago. I was there for Occupy Chicago. Yeah. Uh, uh, were you, did you take part in the demonstrations? Um, They were a little violent. They were a little too violent. Um. It was it was around my friend's house and like we had to leave yeah. the day before because we knew it was gonna get crazy. Yeah. Um. It was too violent. It was way too violent. So that is, that's what turned you away from it, or I, I was scared for the for the people, like for everybody, like it was just I just remember it being very violent and. Um, Did you agree with like their message about like income inequality or? It was a lot of mixed messages. I yeah. really I yeah. really couldn't. I really, couldn't get what I couldn't, doing. I didn't, I couldn't lean sway one side or the other because I really didn't know what they really, really stood for. You know yeah. what I mean? So. And do you think anything good came from it, or do you think um, it could have been organized better? Or? I feel like, 
I was kind of like proud, like all those people were standing up for what they believed yeah. in. Like, and it was a lot of them, and they wasn't backing down. They had like cameras, so it was all on television, so right. we saw it. But yeah, I, I was, I was like, go, like you, you, you're passionate that, passionate like that. Yeah, they were. They, it was good. I liked it. I, I liked the passion, the fight, and the drive that they had. Yeah, and uh, I guess the next big movement that's happening now is Black Lives Matter. And yeah. um, do you care to weigh in on that? And if you can see any relationship between the two movements and um it's just another i feel like a, a group of a, a culture of people standing yeah. up for justice and what's yeah. right and a lot of stuff shouldn't be going on that's right. going on you know what i mean yeah so i just I, yeah i'm i'm for it i'm for all, black lives do matter and it's time like i feel like a lot of things have been um brushed under the rug but now with like social media and instagram and people whipping out their phones so fast like yeah. they can't get away with it as much as they used to you know what i mean because this just didn't start happening like all of a sudden people are not just killing black kids and you know what i mean yeah. so i think it's time i don't think it's time i think it's i think it's cool what's happening everyone as long as it can stay positive in a positive forward ongoing motion i think it'll be i think it'll be dope well, thank you very much. Thank Hello. How's it going? How you doing? Good, good. Uh, so it's the uh, four-year anniversary of the Occupy movement. Are you familiar with Occupy? No. You weren't, uh, you know, the big protests of, uh, like, four years ago. People sat down in, like, New York and just kind of occupied. Occupy what? Uh, what were Occupy they? Wall Street and other areas. And what was that whole uh, movement about? Uh, I think there were different messages, but the big one was about income inequality the 1% ruling class and then the rest of everybody not making uh, nearly enough. I think my view on that is that if you educate yourself, no matter what you are, Mm -hmm. you could be white, black, yellow, man or woman, you won't have to go through that. Yeah. You know, you... It's what you do out of your life that gives you what you want. doesn't matter your religion or skin color. So the key is to educate yourself? Yep. And uh, what do you think of now the big movement going on is Black Lives Matter? Um, You're probably aware of that, right? (laughs) I'll tell you this much. I don't listen to the news. I don't watch TV for that same reason. Everything's bad news. Gotcha. I mean, I'm not a... um, I'm ignorant to what you're asking me right now. Oh, that's fine. That's okay. Well, yeah, there's a big movement going on right now about uh, the police. You know, they're shooting unarmed black people in the street. And uh, I, I think... Law enforcement should um, do a better job as far as who they hire. Yeah. Because of that same type of, you know, what's going on. It's unfortunate that kids of, you know, African American descent are the ones that are usually on the news because of their skin color. Yeah. Um, You don't hear as much when a white person gets killed or not. But the same time it's unfortunate and it should be a wake-up call i yeah. think it should be a wake-up call for our law enforcement for our government to i guess better screen when they're hiring yeah. because i think it happens in all type of uh, businesses or or, or uh, um, people that do public service yeah. you know there's we're gonna have everything we have a little bit of everything and in, in anything you yeah. know it's how we screen and the process but you know um, there should be a change. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe uh, officers should be college graduates. Yeah. You know, pay them more. But yeah. at least they went to school. At least they took some type of psychology classes <laughs> that, you know, it's going to yeah. make them think twice before they pull the gun. Yeah. Or maybe just give them non-lethal weapons. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen because... A lot of people in the streets here, you know, we. A lot of people carry guns or yeah, carry, a lot of guns. you know, or, you know, carry weapons, and yeah. you know, we're not in Great Britain here, so. <laughs> but we're certainly not. That's my take on that. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you very much. All right. All right. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye. I like the guys in black sunglasses following me around. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, are you familiar with the Occupy movement that happened a few years ago? Absolutely. Uh, so, what were your impressions of the Occupy movement? Oh, golly. Let's see here. Um, I think that they could have had a little bit more um, 
management yeah. as far as that goes because it ended up becoming just a drum circle in a park and that was kind of a waste of resources because they literally could have had all of those people directed in a in a, in a, in a way that, that, that could have actually made some serious change instead of turning them into a big park full of you know like a Grateful Dead parking lot and, yeah. and literally um, did you agree with their overall sort of message about income inequality absolutely and absolutely yeah. absolutely we have uh, class separation here in the United States and, yeah. and the media breaks it down even farther than that. They make they try to distract us with racism and classism and all these stupid things where they keep everybody so argumentative and distracted with all this stuff that the, the, the real problems of wars that we're at, where people and kids are dying overseas yeah. for ridiculous reasons, they keep us distracted from that. And that's you know you know seriously, it's not right. You know, yeah. we got like homelessness and crazy issues in the United States that literally. If you just took like even a small chunk of the what we dump on military every year, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I support the you know, drop bombs or whatever, but you know um, only on the people that need to be bombed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when right now I'm not seeing a whole lot of people that need to be American bombed. You know, it's it's not it's, you know Canada. Yeah, they're not bothering us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that would be the only issue I'd have. You know, Mexico, Canada, if they start coming across the border with the tanks. Okay, yeah. use the bombs for that. But over, in, you know, I mean, literally, like, um, we shouldn't be in Syria right now with drones. That's yeah. that's friggin' ridiculous. Yeah, because kids die, and, yeah. and, and it's, it's my whole line is, you know, yeah, there's ISIS and we have insurgents and blah blah blah. But the only people that end up dying that really matter in those situations are children, and yeah. and, and, and that is something kids should be able, like George Carlin said, go into the street and play with a friggin' stick. Yeah. Okay, play the stick. Be a kid. Do you, do what you do. You know, eh, go be a dummy. Go be a kid. You don't know anything yet. Go be a kid. And play. And instead, we got these remotely controlled piloted aircraft with, you know, crazy weapons that they can't even conceive flying over. And, oh, that's an insurgent compound. Zap. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oops. No, it wasn't. It's family. Oh. It was a hospital. Yeah, exactly. And and you don't you, you barely, you don't see that a lot. There's a documentary that I watched um, called Dirty Wars. Oh, yeah. It's a good which, one. Yeah. And, and uh, he breaks down Afghanistan, and, and, and it's it's sad. It makes you cry because these people are like, you know, we got rangers over there, and I, I, ain't knocking the, I ain't knocking the rangers because they're doing this. They're in the same situation almost. They're told where to go, and they're told what to do, and... You better get it done, kid, because that's your job. And and you got, you know, if I was over there in Afghanistan and I was going up knocking on doors, I'd probably be pretty trigger happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm 10,000 miles from home and I want to go home and see my mom. You know what I mean? And the bottom line is is that putting trigger happy kids into a field, or, or, into a, a combat environment like that where, you know, A, they're not entirely supported like they should be considering our military budget. Right. I mean... Look at the Russians. The Russians border Afghanistan. Yeah. They could just drive over the hill with tanks. Yeah. And they drove back home because they were like, this shit's crazy. And um, we fly over there, and it's a long ass. Logistically, it's a long, a huge process, and it's very expensive yeah. to get to support our, to our troops. Do you think that the way to kind of break this, do you think we need to form a different party other than outside of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party? Oh, God, I think that should have happened 100 years ago. Yeah, do you, think that, do you think that will ever happen? Do you think people can uh, organize? Like you said, like if, Occupy needed more organization. Do you think if it organized into a legit political party to challenge the dominant parties? I think I'd join it. It's, yeah. it's like one of those deals like where there's you have like television, right? You know, and television used to be appointment television where you had yeah. a TV guide and you wanted to watch MASH and it was on at 7 o'clock and you wanted to watch that episode of MASH you didn't go there at 8 and turn on channel 7 you got there at 7 o'clock or else you missed MASH yeah. it's like that you don't have options the thing that's happening in entertainment right now is you have Netflix all these companies that are dumping millions of literally not millions billions with a B in the yeah. dollars into Hollywood with, to do original programming television is panicking in their boots you go walk up and down Sunset Strip and look at some of these posters of these shows that are coming out it's pathetic it's like it's like, dude really who's getting paid to develop these shows They're like really I was looking at this one about some chick who's got tattoos and she's trying to figure out her past and I'm looking at her tattoos and I'm going they, I know girls that have crazy t- 
Annie Tats. I'm going to give her a plug in, in Honolulu. <laughs> they could have shot that girl from the head down and took her head and put that other girl's head on there with Photoshop, and she would have had legitimate tattoos. And since some guy in some room somewhere was behind a deadline, and he was like, oh, what am I going to do? Puts an asterisk on her back and some oil derrick and, like, some some ridiculously... just It's just contrived and campy. Yeah. The television realizes that they're on, uh, they're on the bunny slope, and uh, this is a mountain. Yeah. And you better get off the bunny slope because... It's starting to snow. And you think that's uh, <laughs> you think that's good then? Is uh, independent media sort of absolutely, the yeah. absolutely independent media. Is You're what, on independent media right now. That's good. <laughs> I'm uh, 100% behind independent media yeah. because that's what keeps this country in check, and that's what keeps everybody in doing what they're supposed to be. Well, actually, I can't even say what they're supposed to be doing because then I become one of them. Yeah. But um, it keeps them in check because it opens up, you know, a, a vast. Yeah, conversation between people you wouldn't absolutely, hear. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And the thing is, is I'm, I'm a weirdo. I got weird political views, and I believe in UFOs, and I got, you know, I Denver International Airport, and let's get on, on all that shit. That's, it's just like, really, why, 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 why? Why is that happening? Yeah. Why? Because we have issues that that money can be dedicated to where we could literally be in some sort of nirvana, like, like you know, we could all be living together in a, in a peaceful, happy totally functional society but instead they got to throw you know racial and I get pissed every time I walk by CNN because I walked by there like two weeks ago and all they were doing is bombarding the sidewalk with information about this guy who's a cop and he's getting gas and, and they're trying to say well does this Black Lives Matter movement is that why he got shot okay no he got shot because he's a cop and some guy didn't like cops because cops are dicks and so that's the deal and you know message to cops don't be dicks to people, and people won't want to shoot you. That's yeah. the thing. That's what's happening in America, and we have guns. Everybody's got a gun here, yeah. so get ready. Because it's like, you know, that's the whole thing about the United States. And that's why people trip out on us overseas, because they think we're all cowboys with guns. Some of us are. Yeah. And I came here from Arizona. Well, I went through, through Hawaii, which was weird, but but um, three years in Hawaii, nobody's got guns over there except the gangsters and the gangster cops. Yeah. <laughs> you go to um, Phoenix and your grandma's got a Glock. Like, literally, there's no burglary there because if you're a burglar, oh, you should have chose a different, uh, <laughs> different career path because you might get one house. If you're lucky, you might get two if you're paying attention and you're smart. Or you can just own a bank and take the houses back. Or, yeah, or you could just own a bank and just, um, you there the goes your whole neighborhood. Yeah. I just foreclosed on everybody because yeah. now they can't work because there's no more jobs and they send them all over to China. And that's yeah. the whole deal. And, and the, what's funny is the people that were making that happen didn't think about, oh, well, we can make products in China now cheaper. Yeah. They didn't think that they have to have somebody to buy those products when they bring them back over here. They, right. So you end up with these huge stores, Walmart and all these crazy stores that like, well, it's cheaper than your mama had to pay for it. Well, yeah, that's cool because I don't have a job because um, you sent all the manufacturing jobs overseas to China and now everybody in China has got a brand new car and they're all driving around. It's cool. But from what I remember when I was a kid, I'm old, China has missiles pointed at us. Like they always do. They're like a communist country. They're supposed to be like a quote unquote enemy. There are nuclear weapons pointed at the United States right at this very instant in the state of China and they're pointing at us now and so the fact that they're just shipping over jobs for the last 20 years means that I'm unemployed <laughs> but also the United States must have missiles pointed back at them well we yeah so many we have missiles pointed at everybody, everybody. because everybody <laughs> hates the United States because we're the ones flying drones over their country and killing their freaking kids and that's hello I mean we try to help everybody. We got the Red Cross. We got everybody shooting out billions of dollars to every place we destroy with the Heart Project, and <laughs> and, and it's just really like um, it's like a it's like a, a double entendre. It's like okay, we're doing all this stuff, so we got to help all these people. Well, don't do the stuff, and let's take the money and put it into a positive, like put it into education, and put in homeless education for the homeless, so they have jobs, and let's yeah. make whole things that, like infrastructure jobs. That's what they started doing in Hawaii if they were rebuilding the freeway. And the, don't even get me started on the right rail over there. That's just fucking ridiculous. But they, yeah. they have everybody over there's got jobs. Like they well, uh, let's say all the Hawaiian cousins got jobs. But like, um, it's just there's a better way to do things here, and we have the resources. We have a 13 trillion dollar GDP in this country. That's probably more than that now because that was a year ago when I saw that number. But like, 13 trillion dollars that we have that we can bank on. Let's take I don't know, nine tenths of that. And put it back into the United States. 
instead of shooting it overseas and, and shooting drones overseas. Because you know what? I'm not worried about Syrian ISIS members coming over here and ruining my day at the L.A. Film School. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, that thought never, never, ever, ever rolls through my mind about, oh, shit, he looks like he's on ISIS. Ah, I'm going the other way. I don't have that thought ever, 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 ever. Yeah. And that's the only time that I think that, that, that it would be a necessity to come into with a drone and go kill his kids. Yeah. It's like, seriously, okay, yeah, cool. If he was on the corner and he was strapped to dynamite and I had to, like, not go to school today because the guy with dynamite standing in front of the door, yeah, that's an issue. That would yeah. be an issue, but that's literally not ever happening. No. And don't even get me started on 9-11 because <laughs> that shit is, oh, my God. I mean, buildings like that do not come down without explosives. And that shit came down. There's Physics works weird. When you have dropped something and it's in there, it, it encounters something, it slows down. Yeah. Newton's law, I forget which one, but, but uh, you don't have a building that accelerates being demolished. It doesn't run into the ship underneath it and speed up. Yeah. Yeah, you have the things to remove the things underneath it to make it go faster. In 10 seconds, 10, uh, 10 floors in a second is, is a ridiculous rate of speed for a building to collapse unless you put things in it to make it collapse. And New York is, they everybody benefited out of that. Everybody from Silverstein to the Port Authority to everybody except the people who had kids in that building and people who had families that were in there that died. And it's, 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 it's a really sad thing. But then they use that as an excuse to... Okay, now we're going into Syria because blah, 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 blah. really, because I'm not really tripping on Syrians. Like I'm not, like I said, tripping on the Syrian chest bomber preventing me from going into class. I'm not, yeah. but I am tripping on um, a lot of other issues that are happening in a really big way that could be solved immediately with just the proper resources dedicated to them. And we have the resources, but instead we're buying like sensor-fused weapon bombs and, and, and more drones and developing crazy, you know, energy weapons that are like really because you really need to what microwave a whole vast geographic area yeah we don't need that we don't need that we don't need that we don't there's no need for that but we do need to get education and medical care for some of the homeless kids off the streets we need to get you know, i mean heroin production increased four thousand percent when we invaded in afghanistan yeah, that's okay. where the big uh, okay. the poppy fields are so you can go onto youtube heroin. kids yeah. that are listening you can go onto youtube and and YouTube Nobody Rangers. Nobody listens to this, but you, you, I have a listenership of maybe 10 people. But that's cool. Well, all 10 of you go onto YouTube and look up yeah. Army Rangers guarding opium fields yeah. and trip on why no, that's real. You junior, hard, junior high kids can get heroin now. They're ODing on heroin. When I was in junior high, yeah, I sold weed. I was a pothead, and I could get all kinds of weed. Yeah. But I couldn't go get you heroin. I could, If you wanted heroin, I would start laughing. I'd, I'd trip out on you because yeah. that didn't happen. We smoked a joint. We told some war stories. Oh, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. Awesome. And we went on our day, and we went skateboarding. And, and now kids are overdosing on heroin and dying. Oh, yeah. And that's directly related to the fact that we're in Afghanistan. And that's it's ridiculous. I'm not going to use the F word because my dad told me not to do that as much as I do. But to emphasize the whole point, it's just, come on, really? Yeah. It's like, and you look at the Rangers, you look at the videos, and they're like standing there, confused look on their faces. Like, why are we standing here guarding a field of opium? This is, we're not, that's why I joined the Army and went through all that training, and I got to be such a good shot with this gun, and they sent me over here on this plane to what? Guard opium poppies? Yeah. Huh? And they, they have the most confused looks on their faces. Every one of those videos, you look at them, they're standing around like, is that a TV camera? What am I doing here? This is crazy. Like, that, that it really... makes you wonder who's calling the shots, like who's, who's really pulling the strings. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is, is if you have $4,000, if you have $1, you can go buy a candy bar. Yeah. If you have $4,000, you can buy an awesome used car, drive to the store, and go buy 100 candy bars and still have money left over for soda. Yeah. Okay, the whole thing is is 4,000% increase in, in, in opium production when, since we've been in Afghanistan. The Taliban used to go break their arms if they were growing poppy because yeah. Islamic law is a trip. It's the most strict religion. It's like you don't get to flex. You don't get to pray at the end of the day and, and saint whoever comes down and says, okay, go to the casino now. You're awesome. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Islam, Islamists... They're very strict. They got to put their prayer carpet down at one o'clock and face Mecca. And you'll see every single one of them do that because they don't believe that you can just say, oh, I'm sorry, Saint. 
uh, casino. I really, uh, I got a hooker this weekend, and I feel really bad about it. And oh, say, hail Mary, hail Mary, hail Mary, hail Mary. And, and, and their religion isn't like that. Their religion yeah. is like, okay, cool. You stole something, we'll cut your arm off. And then you steal something again, we'll cut your head off. And that's like that. And it's like nobody steals. Maybe one guy does, but he's the guy they call lefty. And, and that's the bottom line. And, yeah, period. Period. There's no flex in that religion. And so when the Taliban don't allow opium production, that means they don't allow it. They come by and they go, okay, you're growing poppies. Snap goes your arm and next week... Those, that shit better be gone or else we're going to snap goes your head and, and we don't play and we, if you see by your arm that's just a little taster of what they don't allow that shit though. not to endorse the Taliban but they did keep the uh, sort of uh, iron fist on the drug production program. yeah yeah I'm not that's my only point my, only, my, my point is yay Taliban I'm yeah. saying I'm saying that, that as an opium grower in Afghanistan you were on a time clock and it was the sand was running out because yeah. Those guys aren't happy with, you know, and then now opium production increases 4,000% once we're over there because, ooh, the floodgates are open. Let's get junior high kids strung out on smack. We don't need to do that. Like I said, when I was in junior high, I couldn't get you smack if you had a gun in my mom's head. I literally could not have done that. I'm, yeah. like, I'm going to shoot your mom. Give me some heroin. Uh, sorry, mom. Uh, uh, I love you. It's not really going to be any smack coming your way because I don't know even know where the hell that is. And, and uh, you know, yeah, I could get you all kinds of weed when I was in junior high. This is a long time. Don't ask me how long ago, but this is a long time ago. But, uh, uh, even when I was in high school, and uh, I'm 30, so this was like, so say 15 years ago, nobody was doing heroin nah, 15 years ago. And, and, and way before that, like I said, let me tell you. It was just mostly weed and maybe, uh, uh, you know, what started coming around when I was when I was uh, graduating was uh, the Oxycontin started getting there. And just, you know, that was right at the beginning. You when know what they like make 18, that 19. shit out of? Is <laughs> the whole thing is pharmaceutical companies yeah. need opium resources. Yeah. And so you got confused looking rangers that think they're over here fighting a war for something that's for opium or for what, what are we over here for? Because Osama bin Laden got killed in 2003. Screw that nonsense that they said they just kicked him off the back of the ship when the SEALs went over there. Yeah. That's nonsense. If you really want your minds blown, check out the biometrics of Osama Obama. Watch, Google that. Your head will be twisted on that one, but I'm not going to get into that nonsense because that, that actually does kind of tend to... Back to my original answer. Okay. We have the resources here. Yeah. They're not dedicated to this nirvana-like right society yeah. that we could have. They're absolutely wasted on killing kids in places like Syria. Really? Because I'm going to Syria tomorrow, and there's Syrians everywhere that are a threat to me. I can't walk to Starbucks because one of those Syrian body bombers might just blow up the whole block. No, dude, that's not happening. I'm looking at Starbucks, and I think I could relatively safely walk to Starbucks and get me a venti, whatever the... I want, and I can walk back to school, and there's going to be no Syrians jumping out of the bushes with bombs on their chest. I feel confident in that situation. But there are kids out here, and there are people out here that are homeless and sleep on the street every night, and they got to be. And and you know what? It's cool. If you don't want to work, awesome. Don't work. Bottom line is is there are people that do want to work that can't, and they're shoved, shoved under the rug because they're on the same street as the chronics that are banging drugs or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And, and the bottom line is there, there's, there are people that need to have help and they will be very much productive members of society. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a random bad apple or whatever, but, you know, and I'm not saying jail those people, but I'm saying those guys are bad apples a lot of times because they can't go eat and yeah. they want to eat. So they go out and they go do dumb shit. And the bottom line is, is let's get some... Less bombs, more moms. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, thank you very much. My name's Michael Day. I go to the L.A. Film School, so. All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much. That was a great interview. Okay. Back to me. Uh, How great was that last dude? Uh, I was walking around Hollywood, and it's a pretty ripe place for getting, uh, I wouldn't call that guy crazy, but he was very... uh, very exuberant and and I think actually although I disagree with his uh you know maybe 9/11 conspiracy theories a little bit but uh I think he pretty much he was right about a lot of stuff I mean we're wasting so much money on wars I think I think there's a lot of there's that tendency for uh, people who are skeptical about uh the world um you know to connect it to sort of the illuminati uh rather than just 
the the way the world really is like the uh, ruling class the capitalist class which is um responsible for mostly all these things certainly for the wars um but yeah i mean he he has a sincere a sincere opinion and uh, cared for other human beings wanted to see end to wars wanted to see end to homelessness and poverty uh would like to see our our uh, spending our government spending uh, on you know programs that are there to help rather than just uh kind of pissing away on bombs and like he said uh syrians pose no threat to us iraqis pose no threat to us pretty much any country that we have attacked has not posed any threat to us so there's that and uh overall um besides that it seemed like the people that i talked to uh one guy didn't seem to know what occupy was um the girl that i talked to she was there you know, saw things getting violent and didn't care for it too much, although she supported the general message. They all supported sort of the general message, but they were a little confused about that message. And um, I think that's uh, I think that's why we need probably better political education uh, in America. So hopefully maybe this podcast is doing that in some small way. But uh, all right, coming up now is my interview with uh, Brent Schmidt. He's a funny comic. He was here in L.A. I believe he is in uh, Tennessee now. He, I actually met him. Uh, I met him through the comedy scene here, and then I ran into him on uh, on the street. We were just walking uh, past each other, and uh, we had stopped and said hello. And I started talking to him, and we got into a conversation. We found out we were living like eerily similar lives. Uh, we get into that in the interview. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he's an interesting dude. He told me that he was involved in Occupy, and he also, as a high schooler, he was in the uh, Senate Page program. Um, so let's uh, let's kick it over to Brent and uh, hear what he has to say. What got you interested in uh, politics? Ah, uh... uh, I don't know. I've I've always I've just always kind of been drawn to it. Like I remember in, like, middle school having conversations about stuff and forming opinions based off of absolutely nothing. Uh, but and where did you go to middle school? Uh, I'm from Sturgis, South Dakota. Uh, so, yeah. So then, like, in early high school... What was your school mascot, by the way? Was it just, like, a <laughs> popping wheelie on a holiday <laughs> or something? No! <laughs> uh, it's actually... Uh, were the Sturgis Scoopers? Scooper? What's a scooper? Uh, it's... That's fish. It, the, no. Uh, the backstory... <laughs> well, I mean, it's not... Terribly far from that. Um, <laughs> so Sturgis is like 12 miles from Deadwood, which was a yeah. huge mining town. Yeah. So after the miners would get paid, they would come down to Sturgis to spend all their money on gambling, alcohol, and prostitutes. Mm. So they said Sturgis would scoop the money out of their pocket, so they called it Scoop Town, and the people of Scoop Town were scoopers. <laughs> That's a... Uh... Man, without that backstory, it sounds like such an innocent, sweet... Right? Cones of ice cream for you. Where the scoopers over here? (laughs) And now the mascot is, like, Scooper Sam, and it's just, like, a dude with a shovel, but it's like, we all know. (laughs) Yeah, he's digging a grave for that prostitute. Yes! (laughs) In a drunken night, and he lost all his money. Gambling. Boozing. So, uh, were were your political inklings... uh, well received in Sturgis. Did you have like a supportive base to like share your thoughts? No, I was uh, I was I was pretty much the the political minority. Yeah. Uh, I, when I was a senior in high school, a friend of mine and I co-founded a Young Democrats club. Yeah. And out of the eight or nine hundred students in our high school, we had three members. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like, yeah, I I just remember constantly having to argue against nothing from the people that were like supporting George Bush uh-huh. in the 2004 election just yeah. like I think George Bush is awesome <laughs> and I'd be like why <laughs> and it'd be like uh cause you didn't take shit from Iraq what? Yeah, what that's that not mean? even a thing yeah what Yeah. What, what does it mean explain it yeah. I like uh, when you get into those conversations and like I think I was pretty in high school I was in, and through college I was pretty like just, uh, ambivalent and just I didn't really I didn't care that much about it. I would say I was pretty um, liberal, I guess, but you know, I wasn't really that into politics until later. And it was actually Occupy that kind of got me really interested. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I can remember like 
having like some of those thoughts, like especially after nine eleven when I was like I was seventeen or something when that happened, and then that whole shebang, and everybody was really pro country and all this stuff. There wasn't a lot of debate going on, and sometimes like. You know, some of the smarter kids in the class would be, like, pushing on it or just being like, yeah, why is everybody like this? And it's kind of gross. And then if you can't rationalize it and it's something that's so, like, pushed on you, especially, like, and, you know, it's all wrapped up in the media and you're showing all these patriotic images. And then and in school, especially, like, you're just told to kind of shut up and, like, don't argue. So you develop yeah, was... very poor arguing skills. And then people get real mad when you're like, why is it like this? And they're just like, shut up, America! See, I was I was never the uh, the not arguing type. Yeah, I loved arguing in high school. I loved arguing with teachers. Yeah. I loved proving teachers wrong. Like I wasn't, I was a, a know it all asshole. Um, which I mean, I still am probably more than I'd like to admit. But uh, but yeah, I just like I always kind of had a problem with authority, especially if I saw like something wrong. Right. Like if. If I'm just like, but this is wrong, and they're like, well, but we're saying it's right. Yeah. But that's not how anything works. Right. So I always had problems uh, respecting rules that were just there because someone said so. Right. Uh, I'm like, but like, there's so many of those. So many. (laughs) Like, there are most of the rules. Yeah, there are a lot of rules that have like intrinsic value, like don't fucking kill people. Yeah. But. But yeah, a lot of just like the arbitrary bullshit from classes, like you know, ten uh, percent of your grade this year will be based off of your uh, your your personal calendar. Like what? What does that mean? I keep track of shit in my head. Like why do I have to check in with you and show that I'm scheduling stuff? Right. Like I'm a student. I'm in the same class every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had uh, a lot of similar sort of anti-authority feelings, and they mostly got expressed. Uh, when I took my started my first jobs out of college, but I didn't really have like a a good way of analyzing. Like I knew it was like all bullshit. I'm like, why do these people have authority over me? Yeah, it's like they're idiots. It's like, like you're like, just a dude. <laughs> yeah, like, why are you guy. talking down to me? Right, and why why do I have to take orders from people? Like it doesn't make any sense. And like, and then the, very quickly that. You know, the lives like, well, they worked really hard and they got it. It's like when you start actually working in the real world and seeing all these, like, the people in charge, it's like sometimes you work for people who are smart and capable. But I would say most of my jobs, most of I work for, it's, it's somebody who's just, like, very flustered and annoyed and for well, some reason had been there so long and they just gave them a promotion. Yeah, they were like a kiss ass and, like, yeah. you know, they're a hardcore company man. Yeah. And, like, and yeah, they're just a fucking by the book nerd. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They just don't, they don't rock the boat. They just yeah. keep things um, running as smoothly as possible. And yeah. That's it. And then you see how it works, and you're just like, why does it work that way? Yeah. And then I went through, like, a phase of, like, well, libertarianism, that's it. And then now I've drifted very far to the left. <laughs> yeah. Very, very far to the left. But, yeah, I, I think, uh, so you kind of were interested in this in an early age, and then you started having, like, a, uh, forming an ideology at a pretty early age. Yeah, and, like, I mean, it was... Like, middle school, it was real scattershot, where I think for a while I identified as a Republican just to kind of... Because, like, my parents were South Dakota Democrats. Yeah. So, like, they're liberal for South Dakota. The most conservative Democrat ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so I think in my mind, I remember in, like, eighth grade having some, like, some really dumb thoughts. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I think it was just, like, a weird rebellion thing. But then, yeah, when I was in high school, uh, when I was a junior, I was a Senate page in D.C., and, like, that, like, until that point, I wanted to be in politics, like, for sure, and then, like, my second day there, I realized, like, oh, this is all bullshit, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So, what, uh, so the Senate page program, how were you selected for that, and... Yeah, well, let's talk about that for an extended period. Of time, <laughs> that's that's a unique experience. Yeah, not very many people get to go through that. Well, and who are you paging for? Well, and now it's even less so because the House Page program shut down because yeah. of like the sex scandal. Uh, and the House Page program was much larger, uh, like much it, sexier. Yeah. Oh, they were trash. <laughs> Fucking anybody can get into the House Page program. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> But, like, there were, I think the house page program had, like, 120 pages at a yeah. time, something like that per semester. But the Senate page program is a maximum of 30 students from across the country per semester. And um, 
And the spots are divided up by the minority and majority of the Senate. So I believe the majority gets 18 pages and the minority gets 12. And then the leadership divides those up among the other senators. So they get it on kind of a rotating basis. Mm -hmm. So it's only for juniors in high school. So you just have to get lucky and hope that your senator happens to have a spot while you're a junior. And then there's an application process where you have to submit, like, you know, your academic records and, like, some writings and letters of recommendation and all this stuff. So all that, so with all that rigmarole associated, you must have been pretty excited to do it, right? Like, were you, like, really hoping to get it and, like, put a lot of effort into, like, applying? So you were, like, kind of like a wide-eyed idealist, I guess, a little bit about politics. Yeah. Trying to get in and see it. Yeah. Like, I can't wait and sort of, like, maybe, like, Lisa Simpson-ish. Totally. And I actually played saxophone. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you? I have a saxophone in my closet right now. Because I also played saxophone. I played tenor sax and then barry sax in high school. This is ridiculous. Also, I think between me and Brent, we met like a couple months, uh, I don't know, maybe like a year ago, very briefly at the Los Angeles uh, comedy scene. And then we hadn't talked since or really saw each other. And then we randomly bumped into each other on the street. And then we had this long conversation and found out that we've been living very like similar lives in L.A. And this was just, that's really funny because that's another thing that I realized we have in common is... uh, Playing the saxophone. Yeah, that's odd. I'm really terrible at it, and I got I, I made the jazz band in middle school for some reason. I don't know why. I was really bad, and then like I dropped the saxophone and got yelled at. I broke a sax. I had a school. Oh, I had a public no. saxophone. So I had, I played the alto, and then they were like, "We're gonna put you on tenor." I don't know why. I think the band teacher was like trying to hide me, and then uh, I dropped the saxophone. And, I was just like, eh, whatever. And he's like, it's just not whatever. Oh, they're and super so, expensive. Yeah, 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 I broke that. And I, bl- I blamed it on another kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of shitty as a uh, uh, teenager. But I anyway, played, I, played, I played in jazz band through middle school, and then in high school I played guitar in jazz band. Oh, nice. So, yeah. uh, upgraded. Yeah. But, <laughs> if you're going to be a nerd, you might as well be the coolest like, yeah, nerd. Yeah, yeah. Jazz nerd, that's yeah. not bad. Jazz guitar, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, so the Senate Page program, and uh, who did you end up? Uh, then you're underneath a couple senators. Then, well, I was appointed by Tim Johnson, yeah. who was one of the South Dakota senators at the at the time. And then you work for the party. Yeah. So like he was a Democrat, so I worked for the Democrats, and they were the minority at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and he was awesome. Yeah. Like he was super cool. Like I could just like go to his office and like hang out and talk with him. <laughs> Um, That's what you want in an elected official, right? Like you should be able to rap with them for a while. Yeah, like they shouldn't be like inaccessible. Like, for sure, it's crazy that it, that anybody even allows that. Like, why are we allowing that to happen? Like, this guy is a public servant. Yeah, public coming to see you. Yeah, right. they're supposed to be our voice, right? So, what if they can't hear us? Right? <laughs> How do they know what that's supposed to be? So then, it sounds like you liked your senator, at least. Yeah. So when did the illusion get shattered, then? And who shattered it? I mean, it was like... It was weird, because it it was like my second day of working on the Senate floor, um, and, uh, and there was just, like, there was something that was being heavily debated, and then, you know, during a vote, I noticed, like, a group of the senators that had just been, you know, like throwing barbs back and forth at each yeah. other, like, talking. And I ended up having to uh, to bring a message for, for a phone call uh, to Senator Rockefeller from West Virginia. And he was one of the ones in the group. How did he get elected with that name? Yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Public works. <laughs> uh, so I, like, I walk up to, to give him the message, and when we have messages for the senators... We're not supposed to interrupt them. We're just supposed to kind of stand there and wait until they notice us yeah. in case they're having an important conversation. Yeah. And they apparently were having an important conversation because they were talking about how to cook fish uh, on the floor of the most powerful legislative body in the world. And they had just been, like, you know, heavily going back and forth. And I just had this moment of like, oh, this is nothing. <laughs> Were they talking into fish, like, into the microphones? No, just, like, to each other. Just, like, a group of them hanging around chatting about cooking. (laughs) It's like, you don't think you have anything else you could could be be discussing? This is, like, as Hurricane Katrina's happening. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess they were trying to figure out how to cook fish while fish still were on the menu. Yeah, or, you know, just maybe trying to utilize the ones that had washed up and were just, yeah. you know, flopping around. <laughs> Gotta cook them fish. So were some, was somebody talking on the Senate floor while they're just sort of chatting and just not paying attention? No, it was during a like, vote. Oh, alright. Um, and they were standing in a place that the C-SPAN 2 cameras couldn't see them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, there were a bunch of those places on the yeah. floor. And it's not like a thing of, like... You're hiding there. It's just there are only a few cameras, right. and there are like big blind spots. Right. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> no, I guess there aren't really a ton of spots because I think there are on the. There are a couple spaces. It just kind of depends on what shot. But like during votes, it's usually like the same like center overhead shot. So if you're in the back. Yeah. Whatever. So what did you hear anything like particularly ridiculous like? borderline criminal while you're there or that you could have processed at the time uh well and that's yeah that's a weird thing of like and can you talk about it (laughs) i you know what i don't know that we ever had to sign any like confidentiality or non-disclosure thing which is weird um but i mean but it shouldn't i mean it shouldn't be you should you should be able to repeat everything that a public official said yeah like but, in, like, it was a thing, like, uh... Um... Oh, shit, I just totally spaced. What was the question? I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I've had head injuries. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, basically, um... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, criminal. Anything crim- criminal. Criminal, yeah. No, nothing, nothing uh, quite <laughs> to that level. Um, I mean... just disgusting, disturbing. Yeah, just a lot of, like... I mean, the, the biggest thing is, I like, I, we were dumb 17-year-olds. Right. So, like, a week in, I'm like, oh, it's fucking work. Yeah. And I'm on the, you know, <laughs> like, I, I told you that, like, I think in my first week, uh, I had to deliver a document to an office to be sent from that office to the White House to be signed into law, and it was a bill that had passed that was worth $80 billion. <laughs> and I'm just, like, some dumb fucking high school kid from South Dakota. Just delivering this thing. Um, you should have just wrote at the end of it, and Brent wants a new bicycle. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and free PlayStations yeah. <laughs> for Brent Schmidt for life. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, there was kind of like... That was cool because it was early on, but then like so quickly you developed a disconnect where like you don't even pay attention to what's happening. Yeah. And it's weird thinking back to that time and like remembering what was happening politically... And then kind of piecing together the memories of like, oh shit, I remember when that was happening, and I was trying not to fall asleep on the floor. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, there wasn't a ton of, like, super nefarious stuff. Uh, Like, Rick Santorum was once talking about a thing. uh, That sounds terrible. It was already, yeah, terrible. And it, it was like, it was a day where it was super boring, and, uh, and I was... I was on point, which, like, if you turn on C-SPAN 2 and you look at the pages, they're sitting on the steps on the side of, um, the, uh, you know, like, where the speaker's podium and everything is, and, like, where the staff all sits. So we're, we're sitting off to the side of that on the steps, and when you're on point, you're sitting at the front, so you're sitting right next to this giant marble desk. So I was just, like, leaning against this desk, like, dozing off not listening to Rick Santorum and then all of a sudden like his words just kind of kicked through my brain and I realized he was trying he was proposing like uh, abolishing divorce how did that work out I, I mean like it, it was never even debated it was just like some wackadoo bullshit that he fucking does So I gotta end it there. Uh, that was Brian Schmidt, very funny comedian, interesting dude. We're gonna pick up uh, next episode. We're just gonna launch back into it. We got into a pretty long discussion, so tune back in uh, next uh, week, two weeks or so, whenever I get to uh, editing it um, on the Crab Diving Network. Uh, check out the other shows at crab- crabdiving.com. And also, uh, Brent asked me to plug his friend uh, Jesse Case, who's also a stand up. 
very funny, uh, and unfortunately he has uh, cancer, uh, but he is doing a, a podcast called Jesse Versus Cancer, so check that out. Um, it's worth listening to. All right, everybody, until uh, next time, uh, uh, I really need to sign off. I guess uh, organize and revolt and, uh, you, you know, uh, kill some capitalists, whatever. Okay, bye.